You're listening to Artistic Finance, Show 101. On today's show, I chat with a stage manager from Broadway's Beetlejuice, Cheryl Polankas. We discuss how to afford an apartment in New York City, how to get an artist visa and green card, saving for yourself and your own retirement, and the difference between theater in the U.S. versus the Philippines, including a bad luck superstition involving peanuts. In today's bonus patron episode, we discuss another Beetlejuice stage manager, Steve Milosevic, who Cheryl and I both adore. That bonus episode is available by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash artisticfinance. Patrons get a private podcast feed with outtakes from each episode and early releases. They also can add producer of artistic finance to their LinkedIn profile. A big thank you to all our patrons who are involved in helping make these conversations happen. If you'd like to join up, we welcome you. Do that at patreon.com slash artisticfinance. Now this week, I'd like to give a shout out to our listeners from the Philippines. There's only a handful of you, but I appreciate seeing those downloads each week. Thank you for joining us for this hour, and I think you'll like the show. Now before we get started, I have a favor to ask. Nicole and I are conducting a listener survey. If you have listened to more than one episode, we would very much appreciate your feedback. In the show notes, the very top link will take you to the poll. So wherever you listen, tap read more to find that link. It's also available at artisticfinance.com. There are only 10 questions, mostly multiple choice. It will absolutely take you less than five minutes and it could be as quick as 30 seconds. I personally cannot multitask, but this poll is so easy, you could do it right now, even while you listen to this episode. Just tap the show notes and click the first link. We very much value your feedback, and now, without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel. We're recording this Friday, May 20th, 2022. The Broadway news today is that Kimberly Akimbo Producers announced that it's going to move into the Booth Theater for an opening in October. Tickets are going on sale May 31st. And the Booth Theater is currently where Four Color Girls Who Have Considered Suicide is playing up until June 5th. Also today, the Broadway League has announced that it's going to require theater goers at all of the 41 Broadway theaters to wear masks indoors until June 30th. And the musical A Strange Loop received a 45% jump in revenue following its 11 Tony nominations. So last week it grossed $690,000, selling 90% capacity at the Lyceum Theater. And that doesn't sound like a lot of money because it's not a million but the theater is not the biggest one. It's almost selling out. It's getting close, which during COVID times is pretty great. So congratulations to those producers and also congratulations to Cherie B. Tay, who is one of the stage managers over there and was a guest on our podcast way back in the day. (laughs) Um, That's an update of what's going on in the world, which leads us to today's guest, also a stage manager, Cheryl Polankas. (laughs) 
Welcome, Cheryl. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And and Cheryl, so we know each other, but I actually haven't seen you for like seven years. Oh gosh, that's seven years ago already. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and, God. you know, we both live in New York City, but somehow we have not seen each other for seven years. So I have to say belated congratulations for getting work on the stage management team of Jersey Boys Off-Broadway at New World Stages. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Which, actually, random note, is closing tomorrow. I know. Yeah. Very sad. I actually watched it for the last time last Monday. So I went to see my family, my Jersey Boys family. I miss them so much. Yeah. All right. And then a still belated congratulations, but this one's a little more recent, which is congratulations for getting onto the stage management team of Beetlejuice on Broadway. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you. That is like super, super exciting. First things first, the obvious. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course. Born and raised in the Philippines, 100% Filipino. And I moved here... Uh, last 2016 to pursue stage management. So I've been a stage manager in the Philippines for more than a decade. And then I decided to move here and pursue Broadway stage management. I've been living in Brooklyn and I love dogs. <laughs> I'm a dog mom, but my dog is still in the, it's in the Philippines. My mom doesn't want me to bring him here. <laughs> um, that's fine. He's well taken care of. I love food. <laughs> I'm a foodie. And I love wine. Oh my gosh, you love wine. <laughs> I do. I am a red wine girl. Nicole and I are red wine people. But when we go out, we tend to get white wine just because we're so clumsy and we spill Okay, stuff but like what kind of red wine do you like? What, oh, okay, maybe I'm not a red wine guy. <laughs> I just, whatever is there. <laughs> oh gosh, okay. Well, I am a Pinot Noir girl. Uh, Pinot Noir person. I like Pinot Noir. Cheryl, I have some previous episodes of this show that you need to listen to because we have an entire episode dedicated to investing in wine. Oh. And there's more to this. So we also do a quarterly uh, update on like some investments that we're tracking. And every quarter, somebody else decides that they want to invest in wine. Maybe it's me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I would check that out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so funny. Cheryl, okay, so you're working on Broadway, so you must love theater. But I got to ask this question, which is, what is a live event that you like to experience as an audience member? I So I used to dance before when I was younger. So that was like my first love, actually. So I was into dancing. So like jazz and any kind of dance form I really enjoy. So that's like a live entertainment that I always like gear towards to. Like I like watching ballet and contemporary, like all sorts of like dance show, even TV, film. Also another kind of, well, well, of course, like theater because I'm a stage manager, but also I've been always like passionate about theater. But yes, I would consider dance as like my first love. So. I like watching dance shows. All right. So now your financial personality, are you good or bad with money? Uh, I think I'd say I'm in the middle. I am not the best. You know, I pretty much like started like take, uh, taking care of my money and like saving money like later on. Because like there's some people like as early as when they were in their university or like when they were studying, they're, they're already starting to save and save money. I didn't do that. I pretty much took care of my money like later on in my life. I mean, I think we'll talk about this later, but I figure you have to be somewhat decent <laughs> because you moved halfway across the world, you know, mid mid career. Even you mentioned being a, a dog mom. 
yes, your dog is well taken care of, etc. But just bringing a dog here halfway across the world, that has to cost something. Like that, it's not like you just put it in your bag and bring it on the plane. How I wish, right? That easy. I mean, moving in general out of the country and like uprooting yourself, it is financially hard. It's hard in every area of my life. You know, I'm uprooting myself. So financially, it was, it's not that, um, it's just that I prepared for it. You know, I saved up money. And, and I, I mentioned before, like, remember 2015, I went there, I went here for vacation because I wanted to take a look at New York and see if I can survive. And so essentially when I made that decision that, okay, I am moving to New York and I want to live here, I want to work here, that's when it really like came up to me and, and tell myself like, okay, Cheryl, you have to stay for this. It took a lot because like I was still paying bills in the Philippines when I moved here. So it was challenging. It was very hard, but it's very manageable. Um, I think in any situation when a person is moving, like you just have to work hard and find find jobs in order for you to like finally reach that goal. Yeah. And and how long were you preempting the move? Like, was this something that when you were a child, you were like, I want to go work on Broadway? Or was this like when you came, you know, or like a year before you came for vacation, were you thinking I should go check out New York because I might want to go there? Mm-hmm, good question. It only occurred to me when I was already working in the Philippines as a stage manager. Probably early on, like my my mid-20s when I was working in theater, and I was like, oh, this is what I really want to do in my life for the rest of my life. That's all I can imagine, like being in, the, in theater. Uh, I was PSMing the show, and it occurred to me, it's like, I want to learn more. I want to grow as a stage manager and be good at it and like, like enhance my skill set. So how do I do that? And that's when I decided it's like, I want to move to New York. So it wasn't like when I was like little, dance was my first love. And then so only after I graduated college, when I first started working for a theater company, then it slowly occurred to me, it's like, oh, I really want to be a stage manager. And this is what I want to pursue. And how do I advance to that? You know? How do I learn more? So that's when I decided, okay, let me visit my friend. Uh, so Chara was my coworker, right? Um, and she moved here first to pursue her master's in lighting design in NYU. And so that's when I decided, okay, I want to visit her and check out New York, see if Cheryl can survive in this um, industry and in this environment. And then that's when essentially I really decided, okay, I want to move to New York. Amazing. Um, I want to start in the Philippines. Let's go back to Manila, which is where we met because I came to assist on the lighting for Rock of Ages. So I'm assuming you live in Manila or grew up in Manila? Yes. So what is the theater scene there or the live entertainment scene there? Well, I would say so before, you know, theater wasn't as popular and wasn't as accepted like a a form of entertainment like Filipinos usually love TVs, TV shows, and like films. So I would say like in the past decade, it started booming, um, especially even before the pandemic. There are companies like the, the one that we work for, Atlantis, they bring Broadway shows to the Philippines so that it's easily accessible and like Filipinos doesn't have to like pay money 
to go to New York or to go to London and see a Broadway show or a West End show. The past few years, it had like the theater entertainment, theater industry there has been booming. And people are, Filipinos are more interested in theater. So yeah, um, it has been very popular and booming. The Philippines is geographically spread out, but is the is the theater, the tours, is that only coming to big cities like Manila? Like is Manila the biggest theater city in the Philippines? Yeah, um, I would say yes, Manila, because like it's the capital. So mostly the big shows just come to Manila. Um, there are some provinces, like for example, like Cebu, if you've heard of Cebu, um, because it is also a major city, some shows go there, but essentially, mostly it's all about Manila. And we were working for Atlantis. So the lighting team came from the USA. I think the sound team did as well. But I think everybody else was from the Philippines. So it wasn't really like a tour was coming to sit down. It was all produced by the Philippines. So is that more common that all the locals are putting it on? Or is it more common for like a tour to stop in? So it depends. Um, because Atlantis is a local theater company, they bring shows from the U.S. and bring it to Manila, right? But there are other companies like foreign companies who go to the Philippines as a touring company. So for example, when they bring Phantom or Les Mis, that, that is a legit um, touring company and all of the actors and the creative staff, like, the crew, they're all from the different parts of the world or from the U.S. But for Atlantis specifically, yes, we are mostly local because they just bring the show to the, to the Philippines and they hire either a creative staff or a designer and some like a, a Broadway actor and be the lead in the show. Okay. So, so now that you did a decade of work there, and frankly, you're almost nearing a decade of work here. <laughs> Minus the pandemic, no. But like, I only started working like 2017. So 89 years. How, how many years is that? Okay, half a decade. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> but you've worked in the Philippines and you've worked in the United States. Is there a difference between the theater going on there or the theater here? Or is it all similar? If, I, if we're talking about my job as a stage manager, the technical aspect of it, like running a show and running a rehearsal room, it's all the same. But I would say the big difference, especially like in a larger in general aspect of theater, is we don't have a union in the Philippines. It is a very blurry line of the job description. So as a stage manager, for example, in the Philippines, I do everything. I, I also become a prop person. There's no delineation of jobs because we don't have any unit. Um, so I would say that's the very, the, the difference. And so when I came here, I am so not used to like, oh, okay, you can't, you can't touch that or you can't do that because there's a person assigned to that and you're, you just can't like do the other stuff. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And actually I would say here, if you're doing like off, off, off Broadway or something, something where the unions aren't involved, then it actually goes back to that where the stage manager and the director really are yeah, exactly, yeah. doing everything. Um, and then once you move up higher into the ranks of professional theater or off Broadway, yeah, then it you separate it out. That's interesting. Also, so it sounds like maybe you went to school for dance. And I, I'm wondering, are, are there theater 
Like, can you go to school for theater in the Philippines? We do have a theater. There are theater courses and theater majors, but it is a general theater course. There is no specific major for, like, for example, for me as a stage manager. So that's why I was like, how can I do this? Because I am not a stage management major, you know, um, because there is no school in the Philippines for that. I am a communication arts graduate. And before I wanted to go into advertising and marketing and events. Um, but when I decided to move into theater, I just learned the things that I'm doing now um, by experience and by, you know, by my mentors. And like, if, there, if there's a workshop, for example, then I attend those workshops, you know, um, but it is really learning by experience. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, now, when I was there, everyone would be talking and I just have a, a dazed look on my face because I didn't know what was going on. And then somebody would say, everybody, please speak in English only right now because Ethan doesn't know what's going on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, this is just a logistical question about the Philippines. Does everybody there speak English? Um, I would say 90% of Filipinos know how to speak English. Even if you come across like a homeless person or someone from the street, like not necessarily as you know, went into a university, but because Philippines is a very westernized country, we love the Western so much that it is English is our second language. And so even if you come across someone in the streets or a homeless person, they may not necessarily be fluent in English, but they can understand you and they can probably answer, reply to you in like basic English. It's not like, for example, when you compare it to Japan, when you go to Japan, it's like, strictly you won't be able to understand because they only speak Japanese that's not the case in the Philippines you will find your way if you're lost at one point people will help you and will, you will find your way I, I remember when I was first there I was taking the taxi and it was like half the signs were in English mm -hmm. you know so I was like oh I could I feel like I could get around a, a here I know we've been to Puerto Rico and while Puerto Rico is technically a United States territory uh, all the signs are in Spanish and everything. I feel like I could probably get around better in the Philippines than in Puerto Rico. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Yeah, because English is our second language. We are taught like for, in school when we were younger, when all we were in elementary or high school, the language is English when they taught us. Yeah. Except for Filipino, of course. Yeah, yeah. And also just more language question, which is Filipino. Is it, do, we, do we say Filipino? Like, are you speaking Filipino or is it Tagalog or Tagalog? Or <laughs> what, what, if okay. it's not English, what, what am I saying you're speaking? So our national language is Filipino. That's, that's the correct way of saying it. Our language is called Filipino. But mostly Filipinos speak Tagalog. So we have different dialects, right? Because we are 7,000 plus islands in the Philippines. So there are thousands, hundreds of dialects. So, but primarily 90%, 80% speak Tagalog and it's one of the dialects. So sometimes like people are like, what do you speak? It's Tagalog. But the proper, the, the proper term for our national language is called Filipino. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. <laughs> okay. Tagalog. <laughs> um, yeah. Now to focus on finances a little bit, are the artists in the Philippines, like let's say the people that major in theater and then go work in theater, are the finances similar to like people here who go to work in the theater? It's, it's very different. 
we comparing a third world country to the first world country, of course, like the pay here is much higher. And when you convert it, it's of course like a 50 pesos to a one dollar. Um, but in if you're living in the Philippines, it is very livable uh, being in theater. You just have to have, if you're a freelancer, of course, you have to grab as much of uh, a job that you can get. But I would say it's it's more lucrative if you are an actor, for example, because you have TV, you have commercials, you have access to those things as compared to a crew who's just like doing a either events or theater. So it's much lesser. It's much less of a pay, but it's livable. It is very livable. Um, I can't really compare it because like the difference, the U.S. and peso is so far apart. Yeah, I'm thinking like here, most people work in the corporate world and they get like a W-2 steady paycheck. And then in theater, um, unless you're on Broadway or something where you're getting a steady paycheck every week, you're going job to job on like 1099 income. Is it similar there? Are the taxes similar where it's like harder to keep track of it if you're a freelancer going job to job? Or is it pretty much the same if you're working in theater as if you were working for a steady paycheck job? Um, it's pretty much the same because like if in the Philippines, I used to work for a corporate um, for like two years for a corporate company. And of course, like everything, it's a stable job. So everything is like, uh, it's like given to you, right? Like it's deducted everything. But if you're a freelance, it's the same thing here. Like you have to work, you have to do all of those um, stuff together and like compile all your W2 and like just file it. Yeah. And also, um, going back to your former question, it's just like to add to that, it's like the difference with the pay rates too. It's like because, for example, I'm in the union right now. I'm under equity. So there are tiers, right? Like there's a pay rate that doesn't exist in the Philippines because, again, we don't have any union yet. I sort of want to ask the question of like, would it be good for the union to be there? Uh, you know what? There have been like for years, um, the stage managers, actually more of the actors there in the 30s wanted to put up a union. It's hard because like it is major work and people really have to devote their time and, you know, money and effort to this. Um, but it hasn't been given a focus that it needs. Um, so that's why it was never put up. But we would like, I think it will really help the theater industry if we have a union. I have so much respect here for IATSE and USA 29 and Actors' Equity, the the people, the volunteers, even the full-time staff, because even though those unions are established, they are constantly having to face situations where they have to weigh in and say, look, you know, you guys can't be working so much. And they, and they have to, it's a constant job. And I know for USA 829, which is my union, they're always looking for volunteers. They're always looking for people to be on committees because it is so much work and it takes so much time. So I can only imagine how getting a union started, how much work that is. I mean, a huge task. So it, it has to be almost like a, a part of a bigger social movement of a whole country in a way that, that then Actors' Equity can get in there or something like that. Props to all the union people that are you know volunteering and doing their part. Because Ethan Steimel just files away those emails when they're looking for volunteers. <laughs> I haven't volunteered. Oh, boy. <laughs> Awkward. I hope none of them listen to this. <laughs> so you mentioned that the actors can do TV, film, corporate things, all sorts of things. But it's a little harder for the crew because you're either on a film set or maybe you're in a theater and, and you don't get as much opportunity to cross over. 
is is theater like the main live event work or like how much live event work is there um, for people to be able to do this full time? In a earning point of view, uh, people usually go to events. So that's like their bread and butter. Um, if you're doing live entertainment, like theater, not so much because like it doesn't really pay that much. But events like corporate events, that's where the money is. So like the crew there, um, that's where or the stage management and uh, the rest of the other staff, that's where they really get their bread and butter. Like for me then, when I was still working in the 13s, I would do mostly events to sustain my lifestyle, just to pay for bills. That's my bread and butter. But for my heart and my soul, I do theater on the side. Okay. So like when I came for Rock of Ages... You had done like a corporate event before and then probably right after we're doing more corporate events. So I would like a lot like because like, for example, Atlantis would have their season. Right. So like they would say, let's say do four or five shows in a year. So if they come to me and I would I would already reserve those months or dates for Atlantis. And then as soon as I'm out of that, I'm doing other projects. Are all theater workers and live event workers, are they all freelance or are there certain ones that actually Are there certain jobs that work for theater full-time or work for an events company full-time? Do those exist? Um, Yes, those exist. For example, there's an events company that I work for. They have a resident director. They have a resident production manager. So they are basically there for every event. And and then they hire um, mostly the stage managers who are freelance to come and help in the show. Um, and also like other designers, like the lighting designers. So they don't have an in-house lighting designer. So they they come to the freelance lighting designers to help with the show. I asked you the question if you were good or bad with money. And I'm just wondering in general of the freelancers that you worked with and or were aware of, are Filipino freelancers good with money? Like what is the stereotype, I suppose, <laughs> from society's point of view um, about how they handle their finances? I think also like culturally, Filipinos are very, we like to have fun and we we spend money, <laughs> I think. Um, but that's like a, a culture thing too. But I really think it depends because like most of my friends, for example, like who also work in the same industry as I am, they're very good with their money. So I, I, I think it really depends how you were raised and how you grew up and how do you want to take care of your money. That's interesting. And I will say uh, my final day there, we all went to the bar and I know, <laughs> you know, I had like a beer or two. Uh, somebody ordered uh, food for the table, you know, it was like whatever. So then I, I had to leave to catch my flight or something. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm getting a per diem here. Like, here's my beer. And then like, here's a little extra for the food that we ordered. And everybody was like, no, Ethan, get out of here. Stop. Like, go away. It was like nobody would even like Mm -hmm. even let me put Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even that much money. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like two beers and something. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely felt that like uh, we want to have fun. We're all having a good time. And like you're here semi as a guest, like we were all working, but it's like you're sort of a guest. So like you're not even going to come close. Yeah, Filipinos are very um, like we are we like to host. And we, as much as possible, we want to make you feel that you are welcome, that uh, we are being very hospitable, and that you're very well taken care of. Like, Filipinos are, we like to take care of people and feed people. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how we are. So it's like, if you're a guest of ours, you never touch a thing in the apartment. Like, 
we will do all the work. You just enjoy. And like, same thing. If like you're in a bar, like we never let you pay for anything. We'll pay for you. You know, you are our guest. So that's how we are. Now everybody listening is going to be like, oh, I've got to make some Filipino friends and go visit them. It sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah. And I will say the food yeah. thing, the only thing is that I'm a semi-picky eater, like semi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, of course, when I went, there was like this egg thing with a chicken in it that people are like, oh, you should eat this. And I was like, I am not eating. Like you can see the imprint of the baby chick in that egg. I'm not eating that. <laughs> Yeah, it's called balut. It's, yeah, it's one of a kind. <laughs> yeah, it's one of a kind. We'll say that. I used to eat that when I was little. But then when I when I started, like, you know, when I grew up and I was like, oh, my God, what's that? That was what I was eating for, for so many years. And I was like, nope, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, freelancers, and I guess everybody, but is it common for freelancers to have retirement accounts that they're saving for themselves? In in my experience in the Philippines, like not most, like mostly I think corporate people um, in the Philippines like usually care about that <laughs> compared to our freelancers. Um, I have like friends who have like retirement accounts, but like not most of them. And And I'm just assuming that this is a worldwide thing here we don't really talk about money not in public like you might ask your parents or your siblings or your close circle but in general like if you're in a theater you're never talking about money so i'm assuming it's the same way there it's the same yeah same yeah and and it's like it's like for example it's like when you're uh, it's your pay rate whatever it's always confidential like contracts pay rate everything is confidential i mean unless i'm talking to a friend a close friend of mine and then you know that's fine. But mostly we keep it like professional and like hush hush confidential. Yeah, that's why that's why I have this rogue podcast out there talking about these things. <laughs> money. You can't talk about it in real life. But if we talk about it here, it's sort of okay. Of course. <laughs> and we're friends. And we're friends. Yeah, of course. Of course. All right. So you coming from Philippines to the United States is impressive to me. Nicole and I moved from Missouri to New York, and that's, you know, a thousand mile trip, but it's in the same country, same currency, same language, everything. Moving to another country, especially one that's halfway around the world, is very impressive. But then we have to add on that you're working in theater, even more impressive. And you were not a student because a lot of people I see do it like they go to college and then they stay or they do that as like a baby step. But you were already, I don't want to age you, but let's just say you were... 30 when you came older than that i'll stop saying numbers right now (laughs) you were mid-career you just picked up from working theater in philippines and then moved to the united states and and i also don't know how green cards work stuff like that but it's like how did you find work here um and were you able to do it legally right away or did you have to was that a process just moving out of the country and like uprooting yourself which you've known for 30 plus years it's, it's tough and it's challenging and it's difficult and it entails a lot of planning. When I decided to move, I made sure that I will be, I will be okay. So again, like financially, like I saved up money and I, I made sure that I will be okay when I move there. It's not a lavish lifestyle, but I know that I will be able to survive. I started emailing theater companies. I started researching all of the theater companies off-Broadway, Broadway, like every theater company that pops out in Google. 
I just sent out email. So I came over here to New York uh, 2016. And then I applied for uh, unpaid internship. Um, and so that's when I found Soho Repertory. They were like, okay, we love your work. How can we help you? So essentially, they're a big part of where I am right now. And they made it all happen for me. And I'm so thankful and grateful for them because they offered, um, they said, how can we help you? And I was like, well, I will take care of all the financial, you know, um, aspect of this, like the process of my artist visa, like lawyer fees, everything, but you sponsor me. So that's when it all started for me. Soho Repertory paved the way. They gave me my artist visa. And so that's how I am able to work. I, I am still under an artist visa, not yet a green card holder, but I am planning to reapply for a green card. I tried during the pandemic, but it was tough because like passing documents for green card, it entails a lot of documents and your case has to be like very, very detailed for them to approve you. And so they denied it the first time um, because they said, well, you're not working enough. You're not earning enough. And I will do that again. I will reapply and hopefully soon, like in a few years, I will get to have my green card. Nice. So, okay. So I guess you're working on an artist visa. Yeah. And then eventually green card. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. All right. Good work. Soho rep. <laughs> I know. Right. Soho rep. And Cheryl yeah. and Cheryl who did all the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then you moving here, is that common for people in the Philippines to do? Like, are there people in the Philippines who work in theater their whole life? Or is it very common for theater workers and entertainment workers to work outside of the Philippines? No, because like, again, just being able to work here, it entails a lot of money. It takes a lot of time and effort. And it's not often that it happens. Um, you really have to be invested in this. If this is the world, if this is what you wanted, and this is what I wanted. So I was ready to give up everything in the Philippines and like upkeep myself. So, but that doesn't usually happen in the Philippines. Uh, mostly people, if they have a career there, they stay there unless they really want to travel that they usually go to different countries, but for a different job, which is more money, but not usually they transfer for theater. Okay. So you're one, one of a kind, <laughs> one of a few. Okay, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> um, all right, Cheryl, here's something that has nothing to do with you or this show. Nicole and I are working with a podcast coach to try to improve this show. And this is relevant because we're currently running a poll or we have like a little few questions. If anyone is listening to this show and they like the show or if they hate the show but want to see it get better... They can go into the show notes, and I'm putting the very top link of our show notes today is going to be this poll. So if anybody has, I think you could complete it in two minutes. So if anybody has two minutes and they would be so kind, please go fill out our poll and let us know how we can make this show better. And do that before June 10th if you choose to do it. Now we can get back to Cheryl. That was just a random... Uh, our, 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 our podcast strategist told us that I had to do it at the beginning and the middle and the end. So that was my middle... My middle spot. <laughs> good job, good job, good job, good job. All right, so now uh, going back to before you moved here, were you good with finances? Like, did you have good examples to learn from? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh about it, but 
I think this goes back to society where you don't talk about money. Like even in your family, you sort of know like where you rank and how much your parents make. You sort of know that, but you don't actually know it. Like no parent ever says, so this is how much I'm making and this is how much we're paying in taxes. Um, at least for my family, it's true that we don't talk about money. And my parents didn't, I mean, unfortunately, like sadly, like my parents didn't teach us about money when we were growing up they were like okay if you have money like save some but like not really like you know there are some parents it's like you have to put some away for your retirement or whatever like my parents weren't really like that but also because like my parents were also not as good for their money (laughs) yeah and so that's where I actually you know got it from and and just it's just later on in my life when I was like earning more and like when I'm in a mature age and was like okay I need to like thinking up I need to start thinking about my retirement and 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 saving money so yeah man Cheryl I love you even more now that you're like already I knew you were a very responsible person but now I'm like man Cheryl is so (laughs) self-starter like totally on top of like you're you're doing it's coming from within all this is pretty impressive but too late in the game but we'll see (laughs) no there's no time that's what something we've learned here it's never too late it's never too late you could be like 94 and you can get better you can improve and and it's gonna make your life better i mean it's true yeah we we did an episode with director stafford arima he was telling me stories about his parents you can't call them bad with money because his mom was like a banker or a stock trader or something. So like she clearly was not bad with money, but the sort of they loved gambling. It was just insane. And I was sort of like, how did Stafford get to be the way he is when his parents are like this completely other way? It's like totally wild. (laughs) Yeah, because like my parents are like, okay, once they have like money. So my parents are both both in real estate. If like when they have money, they just splurge. They don't gamble though, but they splurge. Like they treat themselves. So I think that's where I got it from. It's like, oh, I have money. Let me do this. Let me buy this. And then later on, it's like, Cheryl, you're not getting any younger, and you have to start thinking about what will happen when you're not working anymore. You know what I mean? I I love it. That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) So basically what I'm taking away from this is you were like, I'm moving to New York. Therefore, I'm going to start saving. I'm going to do that. Then you moved here and survived. I'm more responsible now, Ethan. I'm more responsible with money now because I am living by myself here as compared to the Philippines where I have my, my support and like, you know, my, community like my friends and my family's there who can but like now I'm like all on my own so I have to be more responsible so actually yeah. <laughs> can we zero in on that because you live in your own apartment mm-hmm. in New York City to do that it means something Does it? <laughs> everybody ha- everybody has roommates and a lot of freelancers have roommates I won't say their whole life but a number of them do their whole life and then a number of them do like certainly midway through their career and then a lot of people do the thing where they, they do the New York hustle for 10, 20 years with roommates, and then they move out. So the fact that you're here working without a roommate, first of all, congratulations. And then second off, I, I'm just in awe. Like, Thank you. Thank you. It's like if I am a very I love my friends and I love living with my friends and my roommate. But like I am a very um, when I'm home, I'm a very homebody person. So it's like I like my own space. I am the type of person like if I have a goal 
uh, and like a dream that I wanted to achieve and like that's like living alone in let's say in New York like I would drive so hard and like to to achieve that so finally like I got to that point um hopefully stays that way yeah amazing <laughs> just for fun I'm just curious what has been your highest paying job and can I split that into two parts what was your highest paying job back when you were in the Philippines and what's been your highest paying job here in the states First of all, Beetlejuice, because finally I made it to Broadway. Hashtag Union Strong. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, in the Philippines, I would say um, I got most of my high-paying um, gigs um, when I was doing events. Cool, cool, cool. Um, all right, here's a random story. So when I was in the Philippines, people kept throwing up their hands in the air and they would say, Hi, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. <laughs> and my wife is named Nicole. So I was like, why is everyone saying hi, Nicole? Can you explain why people say this? So it's not, so it's hi, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Yes. So it's like a, it's like a, um, a expression in the Philippines. And so for example, here, it's like, you have like a deep sigh, like, so it's like, hi, Nicole, but it's like in a fun way. Um, so that's our expression. Like, hi, Nicole, Ethan, either a playful playful sigh or a playful frustration <laughs> you know it's it but it is a it, it's not something negative it's just hi Nicole but like not hi Nicole it's not hi Nicole it's hi Nicole so, <laughs> so <laughs> but I can I, always it's say funny because Nicole. I now at home it, let's say if I'm playfully getting frustrated I will throw out hi Nicole <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> just because it's her name. And then also I'm learning I must have been frustrating people while I was there for them to be saying this a lot. <laughs> oh, no, no. We loved you there. We love you. You and Driscoll. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so the other thing is in theater here, we say like break a leg. There was something about peanuts in the theater. Can you explain that part to me? Okay. I think it started with Jamie. Do you still remember Jamie? Yeah, yeah. One of the actors. And I think he was the assistant director. I'm not sure. But he has very so it's a it's a theater superstition. Peanuts are not supposed to be backstage because it is a curse and something bad will happen. Peanuts are never allowed, especially when Jamie's around and Jamie's a part of the cast or the staff or the creative staff. Like peanuts, you cannot bring. Peanuts. Okay, so Jamie, the dramatic actor, can't have peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but it's more it's bigger than that. It's it's Did a, you bring peanuts though? Did you bring did you bring peanuts? Well you I think somebody people? was trying to get me to eat this egg with a bird inside of it. That wasn't me. The, anyways, there was some unhealthy food at the tech table and I think I was trying to get some like healthier food. And I think I'm either brought peanuts or cashews or something. And somebody's like, Those aren't peanuts, are they? Oh my god, Jamie's gonna throw those peanuts. <laughs> Don't let him don't let him know that there were peanuts in the theater when he was around. It's a big it's a big secret. Okay. <laughs> well, that was like years ago. <laughs> good, good. I don't know. I don't know if people hold grudges. So let's wrap this up, Cheryl. Um, what financial advice would you give somebody that's starting their career now? Really set aside. You know, it doesn't have to be a big amount, but make sure like even on a weekly basis or a monthly basis at least set aside for yourself like a small amount of money and then just you know have that um have that in on the side and make sure you don't touch it so 
you know, when when life gets rough, like for example, like the pandemic, like you have something to get from. When you were in Manila thinking, you know what, I think I want to go try to be a stage manager at the top notch Broadway. If there's somebody back there now who's maybe a stage manager and thinking the same thing, what advice would you give them? Uh, first of all, prepare for it financially. It is tough getting here because you have to think about your apartment. Um, I was lucky enough that I was I went to a childhood friend of a friend of mine that happened to have a spare room and they gave the rate like so like discounted. Um, but like if you don't have that support, if you don't have anyone else here in New York to help you with that, then you have to prepare prepare for it financially, especially if you're moving and like uprooting yourself. I did like a year of just like booking jobs and like saving money and saving money and getting ready for this. But at the same time, also working hard to penetrate this industry here in New York because it is hard. So you have to put in a lot of work in if they really want to do this, they have to put up so much work in finding um, to get you here, um, you know, just to put your you know, foot in the door just like research and like which companies are willing to hire someone outside of the U.S., like even for internships or, you know, um, do whatever you can and just like do your work, do your research, um, save for it. And then as long as you do a great job, I think, and you're a hard worker and you're a smart worker and you're really driven to achieve that goal, it will happen for you. I love that. To talk about how you got a great deal um, from a friend of a friend for housing, I do want to say that people moving here, housing is like a big thing because it's like you can put up with a lot and work for very little as long as you know you have a place to stay. Everybody knows this. And so if you just like you, I guess, you know, take like five people who are very close to you and just, you know, send them a message or talk to them and say, look, I'm wanting to move to New York. I'm looking for this and I'm looking for like a deal on housing. Like I'm looking for somebody who who's willing to sort of help somebody out because everyone's aware of it. It's hard finding housing. But if you just literally ask the people around you, people will help because we, we've all been there trying to find the apartment and trying to do it. So if, if you're very specific about when you're coming or what you want to do, people are going to help you. Cheryl, you got a deal. And I'm not saying there's like deals out there for everybody, but you know, the people around you are going to help you make it mm-hmm. work. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm the same. Like I, if there's like a friend of mine who's like in need, like I'm, I'm ready to help. And like, because I know that experience going through that and it's hard, like moving here. And that's what my friend did that for me. Like she helped me like learn the city and like move around. And like, you know, she helped me like you have to open a bank, you have to open a bank account here. And like, how, how do you make it happen? Like, you know, and if a person of mine, a close friend of mine is like, Cheryl, I need help. Like, I would be, I'd be happy to do the same for her. And I'll just point out that what you've done is you've done everything for yourself. Like, again, with Soho Rep, you said, you know, if you sponsor me, if you help me, I will take care of everything else. I will do all this. And I'm sure it's the same for housing. It's like you have to do your part and you have to actually make it work and you have to execute. But people are willing to help people who have a goal and who are willing to work for themselves. You definitely have to bring a lot to the table and know what you want. But if you do, people will help you, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Exactly. All right, Cheryl, you're inspiring me. <laughs> Thank you for giving me over an hour before you run off to Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having wait, me. Wait, wait. Don't we say Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, no, Beetlejuice? No, don't say Beetlejuice three then... times. <laughs> uh okay i've only seen the movie and i saw it when i was really younger clearly i whoopsie am i now gonna have bad luck forever no you're fine i mean our beetlejuice is a kind funny ghost so he's fine he's fine (laughs) okay perfect perfect and I, i will come see the show one of these days yes please um all right cheryl thank you so much for um giving me your time sharing all this last question for you which is where can people connect with you and who would you want to connect with you i would like to think that I'm a very open person. So um, I have, they can find me on Instagram, they can find me on Facebook. Um, My details are there. I have a website, but mostly you can connect me via social media. You can connect, yeah, you can find me on social media. Perfect, perfect, (laughs) amazing. And I'll put all those links in our show notes and on our website page. This is going to be episode 101. Okay. Wow. Oh, my God. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. This was the best possible episode for 101 that I can think of. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this week's episode. My takeaways are be proactive. Cheryl did all the work to get herself to Broadway. There was help along the way with housing, navigating the city, and getting an artist visa. But she did the work. She saved up for herself so that she could take an unpaid internship. Be specific. Cheryl knew she wanted to be a stage manager. That's not what she started out wanting to do, but it became something she was good at and passionate about. She wanted to become a Broadway stage manager. She set the goal, worked toward it, and is now working on Broadway. It took 8 to 10 years, but she's done it, and she's still advancing. Moving somewhere is costly. Especially if you're a freelancer with no guarantee of work when you arrive, this is something that everybody who moves for work has to deal with. Now remember, if you're proactive and specific about what you want, people will help you. I remember when I moved to Dallas for grad school, I found a place within walking distance of the campus. In order to get the rent lower, I walked the dog during the week. I knew what I wanted, they knew what they needed, and we made it happen. And my final takeaway is Cheryl's advice to save something for yourself each month. That's a repeating theme on this show. You have to set aside something so that you can put it into investments and start it growing. You can get by for a few years without saving or investing, or you could have a couple bad years like 2020 and 2021. But at some point, you have to think about your future self and your future family and make sure that saving and investing is happening. Even if it isn't a big portion of your income, something is better than nothing. If you don't know a safe investment to put it in and you need some ideas, listen to episode 54, the Artistic Finance 6K Investing Special, or listen to episode 89 where we pick 401k investments with Elena Sartor. And as a reminder, no one on our shows is qualified to give advice. Consult a financial professional before making any decisions. What did you think of today's show? Did you enjoy the interview? Did you learn anything about the Philippines, finance, or theater? As always, you can let me know by leaving a comment on the LinkedIn post that I'll make for this episode, or you can email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. That email comes directly to me, and I do read and respond to every email. 
If you would drop me a note, I would really appreciate it. I record all these episodes in our apartment and then I upload them to the world and I get so little feedback that I sometimes wonder if anyone is listening. Ay, Nicole. Now, I'm the opposite of an extrovert, so it isn't like I need the external stimulation, but I do need something. So, if you have a minute, I would be ecstatic if you could send an email letting me know how you're enjoying the show or any feedback at all. And speaking of feedback, have you taken that listener poll? It's the link at the very top of the show notes. Please complete it by June 10th. If you listen to this after June 10th, I would still love the feedback. The reason we'd like you to do it sooner is because June 10th is when we have a meeting for our second session with our podcast strategist. And the more feedback we have, the better we can structure what the podcast will look like moving forward. We have about 100 listeners each week, so anybody that gives us a response is going to carry weight. I will read all the responses, so please take a minute and complete that poll. Again, it's the top link in the show notes, or you can find it on our webpage, artisticfinance.com. Nicole and I thank you for your help improving our show. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and you appreciate the work we're doing to keep it going, please consider becoming a patron. In return for pledging a monthly amount, amounts that start at $3 a month, you will get early access to episodes and the outtakes from interviews, including those from Today with Cheryl, where we talk about another Beetlejuice stage manager, the wonderful Steve Milosevic. You can listen to those by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash artistic finance. And remember, patrons are my favorite people in the world. And speaking of patrons, we at Artistic Finance are doing our part to support the arts community. We are monthly patrons of more than 30 artists. One of those is lighting designer Porsche McGovern. Since 2015, Porsche has surveyed who designs and directs in Lort theaters by gender, and by supporting her Patreon, we are helping her continue that annual survey. She also gives a book recommendation each month, usually focusing around diversity and inclusion. This month, her pick is a fun murder mystery, Arsenic and Adobo. It features a Filipino-American protagonist dealing with returning to her small hometown and family. Find Porsche on Patreon at patreon.com slash Porsche, just like the car. And my final announcement for today, if you speak Filipino, Cheryl and I are working on an episode in Tagalog. We're going to have Cheryl along with actor and director Jamie Wilson from Manila. They're going to be joined by lighting designer Cha Si, who's living in New York. Be sure to follow Artistic Finance on your podcast app so that you'll get a notification when that's released. I don't have a release date yet, but if you follow the show, you'll get a notification every time we put out a new episode, and you'll see the update there. All right, that's it for today. Remember to take the listener poll in the show notes, please and thank you. And until next week, don't take any peanuts into a theater and break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.